Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the 9320 Friday Show, where, as always, we look back, we look forward, and we look elsewhere at a key game away from City. The Premier League is back, and we're all thankful for it. I'm delighted to be joined by two big hitters today. Uh, first up, the one and only Asan. Good morning, Asan. Morning, Howard. How are you doing? Very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. It is sunny in Manchester. Uh, I think we've got summer at last. <laughs> for two days. <laughs> and I won't even be here anyway. Uh, also delighted to be joined by Jack Gord from the Daily Mail. Morning, Jack. Morning, you all right? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, all right. It's sunny, but it's not particularly warm. So no, I'll still well, moan about take it. it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's never the right weather in Manchester. Anyway, so. <laughs> Looking forward to the return of the Premier League, then. Yeah, well, I spent the last uh, two weeks covering England under twenty one, so I've been pretty busy with football. But yeah, it's uh, there's just nothing. Nothing happens during the international break, does there? It's just, yeah. There's no news whatsoever. Would Would you prefer the under twenty ones covering the senior side, though? Or? I think it. Yeah, I think it's a bit more fun in it because yeah. these the kind of players you don't get to see that much, um, and you learn about. You know, the first game last week, I was like looking down the team sheet and just never heard of some of them. So it's looked quite nice, like watching them before they become, or some of them before some of them become stars, and kind of just getting to know them. It's it's just a different facet to the job that I quite enjoy. I think. Yeah, cool. Right, we've got an opening question before we uh, look at things. City and the, the Premier League. Uh, it was, of course, on Wednesday night. Vincent Company's testimonial. And it's been announced that there will be a statue in his honour. Uh, the first of many, I hope, that go up outside the ground in the next few years. Uh, I'll start with you, Asen. Your thoughts on his time. Obviously, this is the perfect opportunity to look back. Uh, a kind of a goodbye, or maybe just an au revoir from Vincent. Thoughts on his time at City, and what is your best, fondest memory of his time <laughs> in 11 years at the club? Um well, I mean, firstly, thoughts on his time at City. I mean, I think that he probably best represents what the club became after the Abu Dhabi takeover. Um, and in many respects, what the club still aspire to be um, because he just because of the way that he carried himself. He's, I've seen it. I've seen the term statesmanlike used before to describe Vinny. And I think it's a pretty accurate way to to describe how he carried himself over his time at the club. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that his his legacy, his impact, how he'll be viewed, uh, the best way to say it is I think that he will, even in a 100 years' time, be considered one of City's all-time greats, um, one of the greatest captains of the side, if not the greatest. And just, you know... Uh, a fantastic ambassador for the club and for the sport. Um, and in terms of memories, and, uh, the the most recent obviously will be the uh, the goal against Leicester, but I don't think anything will ever top the header against United yeah. in, in 11-12. Um, I think that 93-20 was pretty much the only thing that could eclipse that goal. Um, and I think that even when that goal went in, I couldn't have imagined that the season would get more dramatic than, than that moment and that header. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably my, my over my, maybe my favorite Vinny memory. And then just in general, I think that 
you know, <clears throat> I I feel very much like if you compare and contrast City before the takeover with City after the takeover, um, as I said at the start, I just think that Vinny represents everything that we should aspire to be as a club. Um, and I think that for us to have a captain and a leader like that through the last 10 years is, uh, it's been incredible. And it's been, you know, he is central, I think, to not just the success on the pitch, but maybe whatever success we've had off the pitch in terms of um, the reputation of the club improving, the way the club is 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 perceived by people around the world, maybe even the way the club is perceived by people within England. I think, you know, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Vincent Company's, not, uh, not a single opposition supporter I've seen ever say a bad word about Vincent Company. And that tells you a lot throughout a period where City have been, you know, much maligned and much hated uh, for being good and for being successful. Even in amongst that, Vincent Company's always been somebody who opposition, opposition supporters have, have held up as an example. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what he is and that's what he means for me. Excellent. Uh, Jack, do you think because of what he, you know, how he conducted himself off the pitch, how he represented City as an ambassador and how he's embraced himself into the city itself, you know, which he's talked about a lot this week, and because of his injuries as well. Do we sometimes actually overlook how good a, an actual footballer, how good a footballer he was? Yeah. Does it I, become secondary sometimes when we look back at his career? I think so. And, the, yeah, I suppose the important thing is there is obviously the injuries. But, I mean, you look at look at how he played in the last few months of last season. I mean, it's, not, it's only four or five months ago where he was he was absolutely brilliant. Um, mm. Which people you kind of forget that as well. I mean, he was he was an absolute rock when they needed it because they were having obviously had difficulties with Stones uh, and company. Kind of, I mean, he joked this week that he was never going to be fit for his testimonial because he's always getting himself ready for the end of the season, which seemed to be <laughs> which seems to be what was what had happened certainly in the last couple of years. Um, but I mean, you kind of yes, he's a magnificent defender, an amazing leader, but you also can't kind of. You can't overlook, um, as I was saying before, his kind of statesman-like um, role because he because he is just he's that's the whole package with him, and that's what made him such. That went hand in hand with his ability as a player, um, which which what what made him such a great captain. I mean, talking of favorite memories, mine was that the speech in the railway after the. Um, <laughs> after they won the title a couple of years ago yeah I mean I kind of it was funny actually because I was it was my mum's birthday that day I was back on the um, well on the west coast um, celebrating my mum's birthday with my family and my editor rang me and said uh, oh we've had a tip that they're all out in hail it's like flipping out so I was like well I'm about an hour away in the car and he's gone right well I don't care what you're doing get in the car and get there I was like right fine Um so I ended up, I got to the railway about five minutes after they'd left. Um, and obviously the place was packed. He's like talking to supporters and whatever. And he, it was just an amazing experience just to be there with the fans who had kind of unwittingly found themselves 
witnesses to a speech that'll go down in kind of folklore, really. Um, and I think that just says everything about everything about Lamani's colossus on and off the pitch. He's a champion. It was just kind of after the testimony, we spoke to him for about five ten minutes, and it was it was sad to hear him kind of say that the main reason why he decided to leave the club was yeah, it was it was great to go back to Anderlecht and what a big job that is, but also that he didn't feel like he could stomach another comeback from an injury at a club with a club like City with the physical demands that you put on yourself every day. He didn't feel like he had it in him to suffer another injury and then come back, which was which was sad. Sad to hear him say really. Yeah, it's sad that Daniel Story semi jokes on uh, Twitter, or maybe speak serious, uh, that Vincent could be back at City by the end of the season. And Delect won the last game, of course, so uh, there's hope that it's going to turn things around there. <laughs> if it didn't go well for Andelect, is that the most ridiculous idea ever to get him back later in the season into the squad? <laughs> would it just I mean, be the worst? Would it be the heart to really go over the head, so to speak? I just don't think it would ever happen because I don't think that our club is set up in that way these days. I don't think that, you know, we don't really operate on nostalgia. And I think that, you know, as much as they wanted Vinny to stay, I imagine that once he made a decision to leave, they made a plan for the season without Vinny and they will have that plan. And Guardiola is incredibly dogmatic in many respects and just don't see him doing something like that. And then on the other side, just from the Anderlecht side, look, Vincent company will get as long as he needs at Anderlecht. In my opinion, he's a club legend there. Um, he's maybe trying to do too much too soon, but I think the supporters will back him. And I know that the board that have taken such a massive risk on him will back him. So I don't envisage a situation where he's out of a job before the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, looking at the testimonial then, stick with you, Asan. I didn't think, I'll be honest, I, I don't get very excited about testimonials because obviously the pace of the match. Uh, I didn't think it would mean that much to me to see some old players on the pitch. Uh, I was quite wrong in a way. It was, I don't know. Uh, um, it was great to see some of them, some regrets about, you know, things that didn't work out quite poignant in a way with some of the players on the pitch. Uh, who did you, who meant the most you know, to see on that pitch for you? Who did you enjoy seeing back in a city shirt or a city, a city shirt of sorts anyway? I mean, you've got, you got, you got to start with sweep, haven't you? I mean, seeing, seeing, seeing Shawnee right back, um, lost a yard of pace. <laughs> <laughs> seen a few people. I've seen a few people saying that on, uh, on the old Twitter. Yeah. Maybe he has lost a yard of pace, but I'm not going to hold it against him. Well, he's 37. So yeah, he's allowed to. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it was great seeing Stevie Island kicking a football around. He's still got some skills. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit like you in that. So much has happened since the takeover. So much has happened in the last five or six years that, you kind of forget that, you know, at the beginning of the takeover, where we were and the players that were in the squad and the kind of the journey that we've been on. So to see to see that connection, that line between, so seeing Stevie Island on the same pitch as Aguero, for example, Stevie on the same pitch as David Silva, Sean Mark Phillips on the same pitch as David Silva, that kind of stuff is just, uh, 
it's uh, it's really beautiful to see. And then look, Ben Benjani gets on the score sheet and gets to do that celebration. I mean, <laughs> what's what's not to love? I think there's a lot of. I know what you mean. I think I think why you were. I don't presume to speak for you, mate. I think me and you are quite similar. Um, and I think why you were probably emotional is because it is that connection between an era that was not hopeless, but was a very different kind of hope on a game-by-game basis collides with right now and what is a completely different club era feeling around Manchester City. And even to see those players feel a little bit of that, to see the players we currently have on the pitch, to see Guardiola on the the sideline as the manager, that's a... It's a big thing and it's an emotional thing because, you know, for a club who've got no history, we it feels like we have a lot of history. Yeah, I, well, I wrote, you know, I wrote a piece into about the takeover uh, to launch this night through Twitter website and was, you know, looking at the squads around that time. And I think there's, there's quite a forgotten squad in a way because it wasn't, <laughs> it was pretty good yep. you know, prior to the takeover. I mean, part of that is because, you know, Shinawatra had kind of, gambled a lot with some purchases that we probably couldn't afford. So we might have been in financial trouble without the takeover. But yeah, I just think that there, I still hold a lot, you know, so much affection for the, the players just before the takeover. Obviously, Vinny and Pablo Zabaleta had already turned up and, sh- and Shawnee had come back a few days before the takeover. So it was a pretty useful squad. And yeah, they're just forgotten times in a way. Uh, and yeah, Stephen Ireland especially, because he's 33, hasn't got a club. I hope, you know, he's still got it. they still got it, definitely. I hope someone uh, can sign him up uh, soon and he can get some football because that's mm. all he wants to do, really. Uh, Jack, what about you? Who did you enjoy seeing on the pitch? I just, I, I love the fact that, um, well, I enjoyed watching Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, to be honest. <laughs> Squabbling, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many, se- <laughs> 58 seconds, that one ball just split him in two. It's hilarious. Um and it was quite nice it come from David Silva as well. I just a similar to you, I just liked watching Silva and Aguero on the pitch with some of these players that mm. people hadn't seen for years and years. And the one thing I did take away from it was I didn't think it was terribly emotional, to be honest. I was mm. expecting it to be slightly more emotional towards company. Now I don't know whether that's because uh he kind of left a few months ago, um, or probably more crucially, that people are expecting him to be back in some capacity in the future. I don't know what you think. Both. I think both. I think. Yeah. I don't think it was very well timed. I think a summer... I mean, there's probably no other option, so he's done it when he can. Uh, but it, it wasn't well timed in the middle of the season. It's. I mean, there's been plenty of testimonials in the middle of the season, I think. It's, you know, it's not the first to do that. But a summer thing would have helped. Would have helped with the players who wouldn't have pulled out and... Yeah, time has passed, but I think you are right. I think there's that that little thing that oh, he'll be back. <laughs> we're not really saying goodbye. We're not. Yeah, it's not as if yeah. we'll never see him again. It's just it's just a nice night out to say thank you. It's not it's not like he's going off you know around the world and we'll just never see him again. No, well, I think that that is very valid point. The other the other thing that made me laugh was the uh, press release from City calling it a sculpture and not a statue. <laughs> I did, did catch my eye that as well. Come on, you can say you can say you're putting up a statue for your captain. 
It's yeah. it's allowed. No, I don't know. Let's uh, let's see what it looks like first before. It might be made out of clay or something. end up looking like the Ronaldo one in Portugal. <laughs> yeah. You know, honestly, I hope it's a fitting statue, but there is a, obviously I do get a little buzz when the really really terrible ones come out, but uh, I don't think Vincent Company is the right time for us to to do that. So. Uh, what did you think, Asa? Do you think it was did it lack emotion or was it? I know. I mean, I do. I do know what Jack. I do know what Jack means. I just think that I think it wasn't emotional because Vinny still feels like a current city player. He's not been gone. He's not been out the building long enough. Um, I think that is. It's kind of a weird. He's had a weird last couple of years at City as well, where you know he's dead and then he's resurrected and plays the last two months of the season and is incredible and crucial to winning two titles. I think that, you know, in a way, the like you say, the timing of it, I think if it had been next summer and he'd been gone a year, it'd have been a very different emotional feeling. Um, yeah, I think that's my, that's my take on why it maybe wasn't as... I mean, look, very simply, everybody saw him two months ago, three months ago, in a City shirt, hammering it into the top corner to to win the title. So, you know, it's... That, that it's was his strange... goodbye, wasn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, it really, really, really was. And to come back so soon afterwards for a testimonial, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I can understand why it maybe didn't carry the, the histrionic emotions... Histrionic emotionalness? Is emotionalness a word, Howard? It is now. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, all the great authors created their own words, so you're well on the way now. So Wonderful. If it, if it doesn't already exist. I think, as you said, because of the stuttering, the injuries and the stuttering before, you know, the regularity, the lack of regular football in the last few seasons, we've kind of had a run-up at this anyway. People, mm. people also forget that he's he's made an astonishing comeback under Guardiola, or he did make an astonishing comeback under Guardiola. He's like, that first game... Uh, of the season a couple of years ago against Brighton um, when they played three at the back and he looked like a fish out of water and he spoke afterwards and he was really really defensive about kind of his role um, someone asked him about oh you know you can't have played in in a back three too often he looked a little bit uncomfortable on the ball and all that and he he was really really abrasive about it and there were obviously obviously difficulties I mean I kind of got told in the first few weeks of Pep's first season that he had a, he had a meeting with Pep and Suggested that maybe it wasn't right for them to kind of play out the back quite as much as uh, the manager wanted and wanted to, because um, company didn't feel he could do it, uh, which is astonishing now thinking about it because he mm. just played so well for him and he kind of fitted in brilliantly. But mm. people forget that it wasn't it wasn't an easy start for him. No, no, I, no. I agree. And it, I mean, Vinny's just a, he's he's a big personality, and and I wondered. What, like you say, when Guardiola came in, how long he'd survive under Pep. And I wondered whether he'd get the Joe Hart treatment. Yeah, I, I literally, when the kind of the thing with Joe Hart happens in the first summer, and somewhere in the back of my head, it was like, is Vinny going to be next here? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is, I, I would hope that it's a case of Guardiola saw just how important Vinny was 
on the pitch and off the pitch. And Vinny saw how he could be improved mm. under Guardiola. And I think he is a better player. I mean, certainly if you look at you look at his performances in the in the run-in last season, looks a better player than he did three years ago. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, I think they've met in the middle. I think company worked really, really hard. Totally. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Vinny, for everything. And thank you for obviously raising a huge amount of money for a great cause in Manchester. And I'm sure we'll see him again soon. Uh, I certainly hope so. Uh, let's move on then to what's coming for City. Uh, the Champions League is, is back next week, which I almost forgot about, to be honest. It always <laughs> sneaks up. Uh, <laughs> Asan first up away to Shakhtar. Obviously, Norwich at the weekend. What's your thoughts on this? Is this when we start to see some squad rotation? Can we even begin to predict how that will you know, take effect with Pep Guardiola. Uh, and do you, th- you know, do you think there's going to be some players who haven't featured yet uh, who might, you know, figure mm. so far? Well, I hope so, is the, uh, is the immediate and honest answer to that question. Look, I mean, I think that Pep said himself that the month of August was going to be a little bit like pre-season, even after the season had begun. Um, And I almost excuse the lack of rotation based on that very idea that, you know, maybe he wanted the spine of his team just back and fit and firing. And that meant that, you know, players were going to play regularly. The the core players were going to play regularly. But now that that, that period has passed and the Champions League is back. Absolutely. I expect that this is where we begin to see more rotation. Um, I think it's important that we do have rotation because I think that we have a squad, which is really high quality, which is for me on the edge in terms of players being happy or unhappy. I think that we built a squad uh, which we completed two years ago, in my opinion, more or less. Um, and we've now had two years with that squad. I think that we're beginning to see, we've seen the success that having such a high quality squad can bring you, but we're beginning to see the downside in terms of maybe the Leroy Sane situation is the first time that we have a player who's basically going, I'm good enough to play regularly somewhere else. So if I'm not in that core 11, then I might want to go and play somewhere else. And I think that that will happen when you carry a squad like that. But I think that's why rotation is really important. And that's why showing players that they are valued is really important. Um, And this is the moment, you know, this is the, uh, this is the first absolute key period. Listen, let me throw it back to you, Howard, because I love to do that when you're hosting. Um, <laughs> so unfair. Who do you, who do you, you don't have to pick the game, right? But looking through the squad, who do you feel hasn't had enough minutes? Right. Well, we'll leave what I'm going to leave one obvious player because I'm going to ask Jack about that player in a second. Okay. Uh, Cancelo, of course, has not featured, but I don't think that's a problem yet. Because uh, Pep's yep. talked about him not having a proper pre-season. And he said after the international break is when the season effectively starts for him. So 
I think we're going to see him. So it's it's Norwich, it's Shakhtar, it's Watford at home. So I think he's going to appear at some point. Uh, so that's that's the only one really, apart from one other who I'm not going to name yet, uh, because we're going to talk about him. So yeah, I, I don't. There's not a problem yet. There's not really a problem with players not being used enough. Even someone like Ilkay Gundogan, who in the, you know he signed that contract, and I thought we've kind of got an obligation to play him now because you can't just you know we had a fully fit squad, and he probably wouldn't be in the first eleven perhaps for a lot of games. Well, yeah, it depends who you play, and it's all tactical in a way. We don't have a set first eleven, but he's got you know plenty of time on the pitch as well. So there's there's no real problem there, especially with a couple of injuries, apart from one player. So I think I've dodged your question pretty well, to be honest, Asa. <laughs> uh, Jack, Do you want to talk about Angelino? Own... Yeah, <laughs> of course. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I've forgotten about it. Oh god, that Angelino could become. A, I mean, it's it's. He's a human being, so what he costs does not really matter. It's a problem is a problem, but that is going to be a problem. I don't know how he feels because no one's probably given him much thought, and he'll play against Preston. I, you know uh, what? I'm not sure he will play. But against it, it, I don't it know. could be an issue if he just doesn't. He's nowhere near. If Mendy is fit and gonna, you know, it's gonna feature a lot this season. Yeah, I don't. I I wonder whether he I, he might not even make Preston because I, th- I they might want to give Mendy minutes. In it, yeah. Unless, yeah, unless I don't know, they could fit both of them in. It depends how how important he feels, that, you know, how he shapes the team and the importance of the match for him. Uh, but yeah, it, it is. If you don't play, then it, it, that becomes a very big problem. Mm. Uh, but Jack, you wrote about Phil Foden, the the name I couldn't mention. <laughs> uh, so during the international break, we always have Foden watch on this on this podcast, which you will <laughs> probably. Uh, perhaps a lot during this season. Uh, give us some background on what you think will happen over the rest of the season. Do you think it's lack of game time is becoming problematic for him? Yeah, I think it's problematic for him. Uh, I don't think he's particularly happy at the lack of, not lack of starts, but just the lack of minutes. Um, have a look at the Brighton game the other week. Could he have got 20 minutes there? Probably. I think we were all relatively surprised that he wasn't. He didn't come off the bench. Um I spoke to him on Friday night in Turkey uh, after the England under-21 game. Uh, he's very pragmatic about it. Um, Pep said the other week that he wants him to be more vocal about wanting to play more games and Phil said, that's not my style. Kind of manager's got his own opinion, but I'll stick to what I'm doing. Um, it's a very, very tricky situation to sum up really because while Foden is disappointed and was disappointed last year at a lack of games, he is also very mindful of the need for patience and understands the situation. So while he kind of he's not playing enough um and City should and will want to kind of get him out there as much as possible from an experience point of view, everybody knows the difficulties that lie directly in front of him. How does he get into that midfield? Um you know, you've got De Bruyne, Silva, Bernardo if they play him centrally, Gundogan. I mean, the the one positive for him moving forward is the injury to Laporte, funnily enough. Because I think with Fernandinho dropping further back more often, it'll mean that Gundogan has, probably has to play more in the kind of number six role, which might free up 
a few games for Foden unexpectedly. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, you would really hope in the next kind of two weeks he he gets a couple of games. Um, although I was kind of looking at, you know, you were talking about rotation before for the Norwich and Shakhtar games. I don't know whether he's going to actually start and either of those. Um, if you played De Bruyne in both, I don't think Foden gets a start. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It's kind of bubbling under the surface a little bit at the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone anyone knows how it's how it's going to end and whether the stance on loaning him out changes over the next six to six to twelve months. We'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, City have never never wanted him to go on loan. I, I'm not sure he was even told about the Roma and Rangers interest in the summer. Um, and for his part, I don't. Foden doesn't. Foden doesn't want to go on loan either because he's a kind of home bird and loves being near his family and loves the club and even moving away temporarily doesn't uh, doesn't really appeal to him. Right. So yes. So really, <laughs> in a way, yeah. The only way he would leave is if we if he was sold, and that's. Yeah, I mean, it might. Yeah, I, I don't know. feasible at the moment. Yeah, that, I, that could happen. I don't know whether it kind of whether it gets to January or next summer, and he's still still not playing. I think then it, there comes a point where he would have to seriously look at it because um, he's nineteen now. Uh, you see him players like Mason Mount getting England call ups and England debuts, uh, and is Mason Mount a better player than Phil Foden? I'm not so sure. Um, so well, yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's it's hard to know where it goes at the moment. Um, but then again, we could we could be talking about this in two weeks' time. And he's he's made a start and he's come off the bench in one of the other games, and then he plays at Preston, and he, and then everything looks much better. It only it only needs a couple Jack. of games, doesn't it? Just yeah, how Jack. good how good was he for the under twenty ones? Really, really good. He was he was really good on Friday night. Uh, he ran the game uh, in Turkey, uh, made two assists. One of them for the uh, for the equaliser when they were two one down was just an exceptional ball, great vision. Um, and then f- Monday night um, against Kosovo, scored both goals. He wasn't quite as uh, wasn't quite as productive, funnily enough, on on Monday, but still ended up with two goals, which just shows what a super player he is. And he loves dart- darting into the box um, in a similar way that kind of Silver's Silver's done that under Guardiola. Yeah, I've read somewhere that hey, son, that you know Southgate is, or some England sources suggested him in a deeper role, and we've, you know we've discussed in the international podcast about the problem with Declan Rice about keeping the ball and dominating possession. Would that just be wasting him to have him lower down the pitch? Do you think? No, I think no. Uh, I think he's got the ability to play in any of the three central midfield positions in a midfield three. I think yeah. he's got that that level of talent. I think that the reason why the, the the shout of playing him as a number six doesn't feel quite as outrageous to me as maybe it did to other people is that I feel as though physically Foden's grown in the last year or two um, and, and he's still growing and he's strong. And I, I, I don't want to make a judgment on whether he's a great tackler, an okay tackler, or what what is kind of how good his defensive abilities are. But if we're going to say that it's Declan Rice or Phil Foden, I'm fairly sure that Foden can do everything that Rice can do and then some. 
Um, so no, it doesn't feel like that outrageous uh, yeah. a comment. Can I ask you an awkward question? Is the fact he's a Mancunian and a lifelong blue actually a hindrance to him? 100%. In that there is not, you know, I can't speak for Pep. I can't speak for There's no pressure anyone to at the club. They feel that, the, as I said about Gundogan, we signed a contract. So, I mean, he was probably always going to get time anyway. He's a German international. But once he signs that, you can't just leave him on the bench for three months, you know, even with a fully fit squad. Is there a feeling that, well, there's no pressure with uh, Phil Foden? He's not going to leave. We don't yes. really have, you know, when we've got every, we've got Kevin De Bruyne fit, David Silva fit, Bernardo fit, we've got Sterling on fire, we've got Jesus and Aguero, then he's the one that can drop out because he'll kick up less of a fuss. Yes. And, you know, I think that that should not be how these decisions are made. That's the first thing. And the second thing our club and these executives have got a very, very recent example of a player who they didn't play, who went to Dortmund, who if they want back, they'll probably have to pay £100 million plus next summer. Um, that's a lesson they can heed this season. Really, that's a lesson they can heed. Because ultimately, when you've got an English player a homegrown player, a club-trained player, and they are chomping at the bit to get into your first team. I can understand why you feel you've got, if you've paid a transfer fee for a different player or you've brought him from a different country, that you need to give him more of a chance. But I don't think that should be the case. I think very simply, these decisions should be made on talent. And my feeling on the Foden situation is... Nothing I've seen tells me, no offence to anybody else who plays in the number eight position, but nothing I've seen tells me that Foden isn't ready to start any of the games that have gone between now and the, and, and the beginning of the season. So when I push forward and I look at the next two weeks, I'm not being overly dramatic to say that for me, it'll be a pretty much a disgrace if Foden doesn't start a game in the next few weeks with the with the, the number of fixtures that are coming up. And I'm curious as to how they, the club, handle fundamentally what is going to be a disgruntled player and a disgruntled family if he's not getting more games. It's, that, it's really that simple. Would it would it placate you if he's when he starts against Preston if he didn't start the three games before? No, because it's not really about playing in I mean, look, uh, I'm exasperated with the Foden conversation primarily because I think that if he he literally would be a starter at every other Premier League club. So I can understand why with the competition he's got at City, he's not an every week starter, but he's now got to be a one in two, one in three Premier League starter. He simply has to be. The idea that... You're going to give him the cup games? No, I'm sorry. The cup games are for the lads in the under-21s, for the EDS, for the Nemechkas of this world. The the cup games are not for Phil Foden, just like the cup games are not for Gabriel Jesus or Leroy Sane. If you try and play those players only in those games, you might get away with it for 12 months or 18 months, but eventually those lads will go, I'm off because I can go and play real important games somewhere. Well, the Watford game stands out for me. I'll be, yeah, 
I'll say we'll have a big problem if he's not in that starting lineup. That's the one penciled in for me. I'm, <laughs> fi- I'm fine with him playing Preston, obviously, because the most important thing for a footballer, but especially a 19 year old, he's got to get minutes under his belt. He's got to be playing football all the time. Yeah, but he's how do develop you... just yeah, getting splinters as well, apart from the other issues? Yeah. Howard, Howard, how yeah. do you judge whether Foden's ready for the Premier League if he's not playing in the Premier League? And this is fundamentally what this conversation will repeatedly come back to. The idea of, is he ready to play ahead of Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan or David Silva? And in my opinion, there are enough games in the Premier League this season that he's absolutely ready to play ahead of those guys. Now, it's just me, but I think the reason he's not getting more starts is because the more starts he gets, the harder it'll be to take him out the side. Well, I've said we don't have a first eleven really. Uh, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is in it, so you know if he's one hundred percent fit, then he's kind of starting just period at the moment because he's just on another level. But I'd argue but that none we of don't the other always just have pick that. the eleven same players, do we? So no. plenty of chances, and there will be injuries. But it shouldn't just be down to injuries. He has to be picked, yeah, because he thinks he's right for that game. Mm. Uh, I, I don't disagree with anything you say. The next few weeks may tell us a lot. So, you know, last season I just kept saying it until I was just, you know, just blew in the face that it was like next season is the key one. Absolutely. The time, the time must go up on the pitch. And then people and all, people started saying the next season is the key one because David Silva's going. Then what do they say in 12 yeah. months' time? Is he still not playing? Yeah, no, nah, no. I'm sticking it's this one. I mean, it <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. Have, no, it doesn't need 45 games. But he needs more than last year, and next season he needs more than this season, and you know, fitness permitting and all that. Uh, it has to go up next year, you know, it has to be a significant increase in first team football every season. Until absolutely, yeah. So, I don't know how many minutes he had last season, but he needs a lot more, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think anyway, I, I, would, yeah, I want on. to say one more thing on, on Phil. I think I wouldn't be so uh, arsy about it if. It wasn't for the fact that behind the scenes, there is now dissatisfaction in the Foden camp. If there is dissatisfaction in the Foden camp, I'm dissatisfied because I think that Phil is, once we lost Sancho, it became clear Foden had to be the one. Otherwise, from a first team pathway point of view, you may as well shut at the academy. You may as well be blunt and say it's there to make money and raise revenue. Nobody's going to be offended by that, but don't talk about pathways and talk about talents and then allow yourself to, in two years, get in the same situation with two world-class talents where the player is deeply unsatisfied because there's expensive foreign imports ahead of them in the squad. Um, So that's where my kind of, if I sound arsy, that's where it comes from. If it was the case that Phil was saying behind the scenes, no, 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 it's cool, I'm happy. Like I I know this season is a developmental one and I know I've got to sit on the bench and I'm happy to sit on the bench and learn from these players. And his family and the people around him were saying that. I'd be more than happy with that. I'd be like, cool, okay, everybody's happy. So that's the way it's going to be. I fear losing him because I think before you physically lose a player, you mentally lose a player. And I don't want Phil Foden to mentally begin to think about other places where he can play his football because he feels he won't get the opportunity in Manchester City. 
You don't. You're talking to the academy. You don't want a situation whereby there's tumbleweed rolling down the Vincent Company crescent, do you? Yeah, pathway totally. between the academy yeah. and the first team wouldn't be a good look. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, bumping, I, I, I bumping into the clay statue, <laughs> <laughs> sculpture. So, <laughs> right, we need to move on. So that's enough food and watch for until the next time. Until the next uh, one. Norwich tea time kickoff. If if you eat your tea at R five. Uh, Interesting game. Last time I was there, we won 6 1, uh, which was very interesting. And obviously, that was 2012. I think I think we actually won 4 3 the, the year after. One of those games that I just cannot remember a single thing about. Uh, but except that Semi Nazri was sent off in the first half. He should, should remember seven goal thrillers, but got a good record against Norwich, of course. Uh, Jack, what do you think about what's. What are your thoughts on the team so far? Uh, they've not had the easiest fixture list, so they've only got one win to the name uh, against Newcastle. Uh, what's your thoughts on how they're doing? Um, I think they've looked pretty good. I thought the, the I watched the Liverpool game on the first night of the season. I thought going forward they were they were really positive. Um, Tupuki's great, and he uh, if he gets some fifteen goals and they stay up, so a lot kind of wrestle his shoulders. The one thing I kind of, you fear for them slightly is that they've got a very young or a very, very young defence. Three of the back four that have been playing regularly are 21 and under, which uh, you'd think they might might struggle. I mean, the three of them that do play, Aaron's, Godfrey and Lewis, are very, very good young players. Um all talented but the fact they're kind of they're missing I mean Tim Close has just had a long term knee injury hasn't he? he's going to be out for a while Zimmerman's had his injury problems at centre half as well which just means there's kind of there's a lot rests on Godfrey at centre half he was only 21 played for the 21s last week um, so you're not you're not really sure how it's going to go from a defensive point of view which you know looking forward to Saturday I think City might City might fill the boots Mm. Yeah, Max Aaron's I think was had his foot in a protective uh, case. I think after yeah, he's a doubt for Saturday as well. Yeah, and that's a huge loss because I think they are you know they're reliant on those fullbacks mm. uh, especially. And the guy who come in will be probably uh, Sam Byron, who's not really setting the world alight in the last year or so. Uh, no, so that that would be a huge loss. I think to Norwich, as you said, they've got they have got. They've got nine players out. They might not all be immediate picks, but in that defence, yeah, they've had to pick a, a much younger side than normal. Uh, Aysan, your thoughts on Puke? Uh, and can he can he keep them up with if it keeps going, or do they need a lot more once they get into into the depths of this season? Um, I mean, I, I think to stay up, you need a Puke. I think without a Puke, it's very difficult to stay up. Um, but you need a little bit more than that. I kind of, I do, I, I agree with Jack. Like I, I, I think Leicester have got a good manager. Uh, Leicester, Norwich, I think they've got a good manager. I think that they, uh, in terms of their organisation, tactically, they know exactly what they're doing. Whenever I've seen them this season, I've, I've caught two or three games now. I, I like uh, the way they try and play. Um, but at the same time, it's pretty apparent where they've got players who simply are championship players playing in the Premier League. Um, And I fear that maybe they've got too many 
championship players playing in the Premier League and it might not quite be enough uh, to keep them up, even though I think I predicted a month ago that they probably would stay up. Um, but hey, let's not worry about our early season predictions. They don't count anyway, do they, Howard? Um, oh, no, they, they don't exist. So. <laughs> uh, look, uh, for, for City tomorrow, um, I really, really, uh, I don't often predict these things, but I really do think it's fill your boots game. I think that City will go there and they will score a lot of goals. I think that I'll end up feeling really sorry for Norwich half an hour, 40 minutes into the game because it'll be over as a contest. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's just the unfortunate reality of how good City are and just, yeah, I mean, they're effectively half a championship side, if not three quarters of a championship side. So well, we saw Norwich at Liverpool, you know, still going for it still in the second half. They did much better, but are they playing into our hands if That's... they're just open about it or do they, do they have no choice? Are we talking like Brighton again? They must play, not saying they're the same sort of side, but they must play the the way they... They have to I've play the way said they, they must do. Yeah, that got them up. That absolutely got them this far. Absolutely. Look, they have to play that way because I think that th- there are examples in the Premier League of managers who are prepared to take hidings like that to not give up on their way, so that in the other games your players. So there's no deviation. There's no. You don't show doubt to your players, and I think that probably Bournemouth are the best example. I mean, maybe not the best example in terms of the fact that in the last 12 months, Eddie Howe has finally changed the way he's played against City because he's maybe taken one too many beatings. But I do think that Norwich will follow the path of of early Eddie Howe or, or the path that Brighton followed of going, look, we're going to play like this every week, regardless of who we face, because we believe that playing this way against you know, the bottom eight, nine, ten teams will win you enough points to keep you in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I expect them to approach it. I mean, from City's point of view, it really comes down to how do you rotate? Who do you play? Who do you keep back for Shakhtar? Um, because I think this is an opportunity massively to rotate. Right, Asan, who do you think he'll play or rotate against Norwich with Shakhtar in mind? Well, you walked into that one, but is it? Are we just? Is it just an impossible choice? No, I don't think it's impossible. Is he picking for two games? Yeah, I don't think it is impossible. I think that so you look at you look at it like this, right? With the injuries that you've that you've got, uh, well, with the injury to Laporte anyway, um, it means that. Your centre halves are almost pick themselves if if Stones is fit, but you need Fernandinho as the fourth centre back, case they're the third centre back for the moment. In case there is a there is an issue, so he's not a midfield option across the games. So then, in terms of rotation, I mean Foden has to. For me, you've got Norwich and Shakhtar. Foden plays at Norwich. Because of the two games, I expect Shakhtar away to be more challenging. I expect away in the Champions League in Shakhtar to need a little bit more experience, a little bit more know-how. Absolutely, Foden should should be starting against uh, against Norwich. Similarly, I think if you look at Jesus Aguero, I think that if Jesus is fit, I don't know if he's fit, but if he is fit, 
He's got this one. I'm I, I'm I'm less of the. It's got to be one against Norwich, one against uh, Shatzar. I'm okay with the which whichever way Pep wants to do it, but I think that that has to happen. Um, I think again in the wide areas, Mares or Bernardo. Yeah, I, I think that you've got to rotate because you've not got Leroy. You've only got the three wingers. You. You've got a lot of games coming up. You can't just keep putting games into the legs of these players. Um, so again, I think that that that's a, a rotation consideration. Well, will Norwich pit team be swayed at all by the internationals, Gone, or is he just looking forward now? I mean, there's no injuries, but there's obviously game time for a lot of players traveling and so on. There's specific, uh, specific players you think might have suffered over that break, or is it just a clean bill of health? Obviously, we've not, we've not heard the press conference yet, so by the time people listen to this, there may, yeah, there may be new news about some players. So, Mm-mm. No, I mean, I think that uh, Otamendi coming back early was the only... The only worry was Otamendi, because they had a late game, the rumour was that he wasn't going to get back until today. Yeah. But the fact that he got let go early is good. I think Gundogan had a cold. He got let go early, so that's good. KDB... Uh, He's not going to really feel any effects. I feel like he's in a he's in a situation where each game is a little bit better than the last game, um, so it'll just be it'll be raring to go. David Silva's retired, so he chilled in the Canary Islands, so he'll be ready. I mean, no, I don't I don't have any concerns in that with in terms of how players are coming out at the internationals. I think my concern is that with these two stroke three games that we give players who haven't played the opportunity to play and also stake a, a claim for, for for their place in the side. Yeah. Belgium, I think, Scotland was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. So, mm. uh, yeah, a bit of a gap there, plenty of gap. Uh, Otamendi, you yeah, know, I saw you uh, panicking on Twitter, <laughs> I think I think he was ill as well. Uh, but you don't, you don't tend to... We don't know what it is. I, I, you just assume with an illness that they'll be fine within a few days. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're guessing at the moment that he's, he's, he's fine and ready to play. Uh, the thing with Silver, I think maybe he's not got two games in him, you know, Saturday and Wednesday, but maybe... I'll throw this out there. You know, I'll, I said he was one in two two weeks ago and then he played two games in a row, so who knows? Mm, I think that it'll be Rodri in the six against uh, Norwich and potentially Gundo or Ferner in the six against uh, against Shakhtar. That's yeah. my uh, well, that's my prediction. The thing with Puki is he does, he, you know, he goes down the channels and he creates space behind him. So it's who he wants. He's happy with Rodri to, to track runners into that, you know, into the space he leaves or and drop Fern back, who knows. Or if he wants Fern doing that because he's so good at it. You know, mm. tracking back and filling those gaps in front of the back four. So, uh, yeah, my I'm, I'm so really guessing, but my my hunch is Jesus against Norwich and that Aguero gets the Champions League nod still. Yeah, because yeah, of yeah. his history makes uh, sense. Jack John Stones is fit. Yep. Would you play him against? Yeah, Norwich I play him against Nor- and or Shakhtar. I play him against Norwich. Maybe not Shakhtar. I might be tempted to play Fernandinho and Shakhtar. Um, mm. I'd, yeah, I mean, he's not, uh, he ended up being out for about three weeks, didn't he, Stones? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't an insignificant injury. Um, yeah, I think they would probably... 
I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong because he's very difficult to kind of uh, know what he's going to do. But I'd have Stones at Premier League games um, and say, right, you're playing Saturday, Saturday. And then Shakhtar, I'd, be t- I'd kind of be tempted to make a few changes for Shakhtar. Um, I'd play Cancelo. I'd play Fernandinho at centre-half. Uh, probably Gundogan will play at Shakhtar. I'd have Mares. Where's Mendy at? Where's well, Mendy in his well, Mendy, right, So Mendy's been training for a month, so he is available now. Um, when you say training for a month, do you mean like... Full training. Like full contact with yeah, the team? Yeah, yeah, So they're just um, super cautious then with it. Yeah, so they, they always said that he was never... He wasn't going to play before the international break. Yeah. He needs... Uh, in his time, kind of full training. Uh, there's no point in rushing him back because Zinchenko's done all right. Um, so we're kind of. Set, I mean, it was funny actually because I kind of I wrote a story a couple of days ago about Stones being fit for the weekend, and at the bottom of that, it was like Benjamin Mendy's uh, available. He's been training for, for a few weeks and whatever, and then the aggregators on Twitter jumped all over it. It's like <laughs> Jack Gordon saying that Benjamin Mendy's going to be in the squad for the weekend. It's like ah, I didn't say that, but fine. Um, <laughs> but he'd, you'd you'd think he'd he'd get a go in the next couple of weeks. I would have thought, um, and then. I guess in the front three, I'd probably play Maras at Norwich and then Bernardo at Shakhtar. Mm-hmm. I can see, you know, against Watford, the Flores coming in. What Flores does is sort of defence in a way. He might sort of, yeah. So I can see him playing quite dead, which just opens it up for the likes of Mendy and Cancelo or players like that. But mm. I'll be getting ahead of myself there by picking the Watford team uh, whenever that is. Uh, right, look, Without wanting to go back to him, I've picked two teams here and I've not got Foden in either of them. Yeah. For Norwich and Shakhtar. Well, it's still Watford for me, but... Yeah, I can't. I can't see Foden starting in Shakhtar, to be honest. But he played left wing back there a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah. And he played. Yeah, <laughs> was he ever? Was he starting against Spurs in the title running? Yeah, there, there you go. So who knows? Uh, right, let's have a score prediction then, just for no reason whatsoever. Uh, Asan, go. On. City are going to score five goals against Norwich. Yeah, you have to give a score for the other team as well. Though. That's... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um... Yeah, no, Norwich aren't going to score a goal, so you're going to keep a clean sheet. It's going to be 5 0. All right, Jack? Uh, it's going to be 5 2. <laughs> well, I like that. You think they'll score two as well? I think they've got a goal in them, absolutely. I'm going to go 4 1, which is you're very okay. optimistic for me. So, Right, mm. let's move on. Let's finish with a look at another game. Uh, quite an interesting one for 3 o'clock on a Saturday. Uh, United, Manchester United, against Leicester City. Old Trafford, uh, the game that traffic signs around Old Trafford are already calling the race for sixth place. <laughs> they like to have a little joke on there, don't they? Our transport police or whoever, whoever does those signs. Uh, Jack, I'll start with you. Is this already a must win for Solskjaer or would a draw, do you think, actually be accepted by the United fan base? Or is, you know, where do you stand in this? Is this one of those games where because Leicester are third, of course, early days, un- undefeated so far. How do you think, as a United fan, this would be approached? Um, I think they would. I think United fans will probably see a draw as a decent result, but they won't be happy about it. And it's kind of a realization of where they are. Um, in in the context of the first six weeks of the season, I think United have got to win. If they lose. They might suddenly find themselves eight points behind City, ten points behind Liverpool after five games, mm. which is just astonishing, isn't it? 
I mean, this is the worst start to the season for oh, however long. Although we seem to be writing that every year with United at the moment. <laughs> Record um, breakers. Always, yeah, it's kind of, oh, this is the worst start for like 20 years and it's like 25 years and 30 years. I don't know how many years it is this time. Um, they kind of, I don't know, they're just, they're just a club constantly in transition. And if a club is constantly in transition, then it means that they're not dining at the same table as they, they once were. I don't think you kind of... They're absolutely just nowhere near the top two, and I know I don't think they're anywhere. I know Spurs have started badly, but I don't think they're anywhere near Spurs at the moment either. Um, they've played well in patches. I've seen a couple of that been at a couple of their games. They've done okay. They played well first half against Wolves, but were terrible second half. Um, Palace, they were well. They were dreadful against Palace. Um, I don't. I don't know where it. I don't know where it ends for United. I'm, I'm really not. Not sure. I think, they fixed fixed the defensive problems, but then Harry Maguire's defensive partner has decided to revert back to what he was like a couple of years ago. Um, the two light up front; they've not got enough in midfield. I really, really think they might they're going to struggle to make what, the top six this what year. What position would they have to be in? Do you think for him to seriously for the you know likes of Woodward or the board to seriously consider getting rid of him? I think if the Floating around between eight and tenth, yeah, and they go on a run of really bad results around Christmas. I think that might be he might encounter some serious problems there. Okay, uh, I get. I, there's a. I don't know. They just they just don't play well enough for ninety minutes. Yeah, he can't. He can't get them playing for ninety minutes. And if that continues, I don't know how he can kind of how he'd be able to stay in a job for, for longer than, mm. you know, longer than a year, really. Yeah. I think they've got a massive problem because their next three league games are Leicester, West Ham away, and then Arsenal. And I think that conceivably, with the injuries that they have and the way that they're playing, they can lose all three of those games. And I think that if they were to lose all three of those games, I think Solskjaer's toast at that point because... There's just no, there's no coming back from the combination of the end of last season, the run of defeats and poor performances, and then this season basically being a continuation of that after you've spent what he's spent, after you brought in the players that he's brought in, after you consider the amount of time that he's had to coach them. I think the thing for me that really jumps out is that goal that they conceded against, against Palace to to effectively lose the game. That's exactly the sort of goal that they were conceding a year ago, that bringing somebody like Solskjaer in, like that whole, th- that all the spiel that he gave, all the, the Man United talk that he gave, the Ferguson talk that he gave, was all about sorting all that stuff out and this season hitting the ground running and they needed to hit the ground running. Um, and quite the opposite, they look... They look as bad as they did last season, if not worse. So, I think that's. I don't think bad. the Chelsea game was a fair representation of where they're at either. Absolutely not. Um, well, it's relegation they, form, I think, over about you know sixty. Yeah, if you go back to last season, uh, you know the the points per game is is not that far above one. I don't think so. Uh, uh, anyway, Asan, talk to me about Leicester instead. We obviously we the the, pre- the preview. We are allowed to mention some predictions in pre-season. Uh, we discussed the Everton Wolves Leicester 
trio of who was going to break the top six. I think most went for Leicester, if memory serves me right. As I say, eight points on four games, not doing too bad. Oh, well, doing fine. Uh, Brendan Rodgers will divide opinion, but I think he's very, very well suited to Leicester City. Uh, they've got you know, plenty of youth and excellent players there. Are they playing exactly as you think? And what's your thoughts on them so far this season? Yeah, I mean, so I like Brendan Rodgers. I know that that bothers Steve Tudor <laughs> a lot, but but I do like Rodgers. You know what I mean? He's he's Great all right, and yeah. he's a decent co- he's a decent coach. Well, he is a decent coach. I'm a football man. I like football men, and Brendan Rodgers is a football man. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, look, I think that Leicester have got an opportunity to not just break into the top six, but to break into the top four this season. I don't think after Liverpool and City, there is any team that is showing that they're absolutely nailed on to finish inside the top four. Um, I think the, the the advantage that they have with having Rodgers is that they've got a guy who's got a system, who's he got six months to embed, kind of like Solskjaer. Mm. Yeah. Um, They've got a young squad with some very talented... I mean, their recruitment over the last four or five years has been incredible. Um, And anybody who plays football manager will know that because you start the game and there is a bunch of players underneath the first-team squad who can play football. And I think you're beginning to see that with the... um, the, I think it's Turkish lad who's come through the centre-half, Soyuncu. Um, Obviously, Madison is there. He's... He's a top player and is continuing to show that he's a top player. Indeed, he's developed into a top player. I mean, I just I think that across all all the lines of the pitch, they've got players that get into the best eleven of the traditional top four or the top six. Maybe with the exception of of, of City, um, but they have across all the lines got players who get into into the sides of the top six. So there's no reason why they can't crack it having said all of that they have to beat United if they've got any aspirations like that because I think that's what you need to do you need to lay markers down early you need to give yourself the confidence I think for Leicester to have a a Ranieri-esque Leicester season they need they need to take some big scalps they need to go to Old Trafford and win to feel like they can go to those places and mix it and I think Rodgers will definitely give them the mentality and belief that they can go to those places and play football. Um, if they can actually get the results, then yeah, I mean, I think they can really well, go a long way. He seems to get injured or age, but you think they're still too dependent on Vardy. And if anything happens... Are we too dependent on Aguero? No. Right, well then there you go. That's Not really the same, is it? Well... <laughs> Have they got Chelsea who've seen backup? I think your 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 facetious <laughs> answer was actually was actually a, a a lie. We're still completely dependent upon Aguero. It's that simple. He's by some distance our best number nine, and when he's not available, we miss him and we panic. And it's the same for for Leicester and for Vardy. But obviously, we think Jesus is better than Kalechi because we sold Kalechi and bought Jesus. Um, but it's, you know, when you've got a player of the talent of of Vardy or of Aguero or of Kevin De Bruyne, when they're not available, you yeah. will miss them. You will, you are reliant on them. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, of course, if Vardy picks up a bad injury, then they probably haven't got enough goals to break into the top four. But they can crack the top six this season. And if they can stay injury-free and Vardy can keep bagging goals, then I think they have got a, a sniff of the top four okay, as well. Uh, finally, just if you're a betting man, how would you see this game actually playing out? Do you think... you Is it a close game or do you actually feel that Leicester could be favourites in this one? I think it's a close game, but I think I'm kind of expecting Leicester to go there and win 2-1. Wow. Okay. Mm. Which have you seen the United injuries, Jack? Uh, I've not seen the update this morning. No, but they're not. Uh, it wasn't looking rosy, was it? Pogba and Marshall have been ruled out, and Wambasaka and um, uh, Lingard are doubts. And Shaw is definitely out, and Dallow is definitely out, and one of the centre half Bailly is definitely out. Look, without Pogba, without Martial, without Luke Shaw. I fancy Leicester to go there and win. You know, I've got to be very, very. Nice. Has it been like a a dodgy lasagna been delivered to Larry overnight or something? Like, really? Mate, it's just that it's it's that pre it's that preseason. Do you know what I mean? When when Solskjaer got when when he started saying at the end of last season, I can't wait to get these boys in for preseason. I'm going to make them do so much running. When they were talking in preseason about the amount of running they're doing and how fit they're going to be for the season. In my head, I just started thinking, yeah, I'm not sure you could not, not sure it really works mm. like that. You know, I'm not sure that you make them run that maybe 20 years ago, making them run up mountains to get them ready for a, a 38 game season was the way to do it. But I'm not sure that's the way now. And I wonder whether there is some connection between Solskjaer's fabled triple sessions in pre-season and how suddenly they're all dropping like flies with muscle. That is where you weren't the only one to think that. Yeah, and Chelsea apart, the second half performances where you think fitness comes in, it's just not bore out that they are a fitter team at all at the moment. So uh, no, really faded. No. I think games and it's, yeah, doesn't bode well at all. Definitely. And I think for Leicester, they're set up to play against United because it's at Old Trafford. Mm. United have to. United don't like having the football. No, like, like no. United's big problem is the fact that they don't want the football. They want you to have the football so that they've got space for their sprinters to run into. That's pretty much the only tactic that they still have three years after Mourinho came in or however long it's been. Um, and that's just going to play into Leicester's hands because Leicester will just sit really deep and will do what United want to do, they'll actually do it. So, yeah, I think I think they will, uh, I think Leicester will knit yeah. this. Jamie Vardy, a few tequila slammers in the dressing room, we'll be well up for this one. <laughs> Absolutely destroyed. <laughs> i tell you what though, you can imagine that ball over the top. Yeah. It's going to be very troublesome. All day. Mm. All day. All Brilliant. day. Right, well, on. we've run out of time, so I think we've covered everything. Uh, thank you very much, Jack, for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming on, Asan. Pleasure. Can I make a public service announcement? We have the 9320 player. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, which you probably are, and you don't know what the 9320 player is, go to 9320.com and check it out. We did over 100 podcasts last season. It costs £4 a month. We do podcasts not just all the way through the season, but all the way through the summer as well. Everything City-related and also football-related. Sorry, Howard, now you can continue with your wrap-up. Great announcement. And, of course... The blog site is active on the website as well. Uh, we're putting stuff on there regularly. Uh, lots of great content coming up because I've seen what's coming. Do keep checking out for new blogs on there as well. And 
obviously after the notes game there'll be a review preview of Shakhtar the games will be coming thick and fast now the international break is gone so lots more to come uh, thanks for listening everyone and until next time goodbye up the blues <laughs>